0: Stones. Stones are neat things, really. I mean, we don't create them. We don't make them. Uh, God made them. They are sometimes compressed sand or compressed minerals. Sometimes they're soft and you can etch them. Sometimes they're hard and they hurt when you stub your toe on them. Stones. And as the disciples are following Jesus out of the temple, remember, they came in earlier in the week. They've been there a few days In and out of the temple, Jesus has been teaching. He's been questioned. There's been a lot going on. They have come into this magnificent building, following somebody who's creating quite a stir, quite a buzz. Everything, all eyes, everything is focused upon them. And Jesus is walking out of the temple, and one of the disciples says, Look, look at this magnificence. Look at what is being created to the glory of God. Look at the beauty of this building. Everything is coming together. The temple is coming together in a better way than we've ever seen it. We're following the leader that everybody is kind of a little bit confused about, but he's the Messiah. We are following the right guy. This is a beautiful building. We're in the heart of Jerusalem, finally. There's a good thing going on. Look at these stones. I don't know if you've ever paid attention to what those stones look like, but first off, the temple. So here is not the real temple. That's a much smaller version (laughs) of the real temple. Okay, so this is the temple mount, and this is what it looked like after Herod had completed it, okay? Before this time, remember, Solomon built the temple first, and then it was destroyed by the Babylonians in 580-something B.C. About 515 It was rebuilt okay, from 515 B.C. up until about 20 B.C. It was based off the original plans that Solomon had made. It was smaller. The Temple Mount was not that large. It was a much smaller area, but it was still extremely significant. So for near 500 years before Jesus, a little shy of 500 years before Jesus, the temple had been there. We don't have any buildings that old in the United States. We don't have any, barely have any buildings half that old. Okay? So this place had been there a while. And now Herod the Great had come through. Herod the master architect, a little crazy, a little wacky as well, but genius architect had come through and he said, we're going to make this place shine. We're going to make this place big. And so he extended that temple mount. He built up the temple. He covered it in white marble. There's gold everywhere. And it's said, as you read through the historians from within Christianity and outside, that if you hadn't seen Herod's temple, you were missing out. Because when the sun shone on it and the light hit just right, it shined like nothing else in the world. It almost looked like a sun itself, bright in the middle of that temple mount. Look at these stones. This place is magnificent. Okay, let's look through a couple of these real quick. So here's a little bit closer view of it, and the reason I took that one was because it was kind of interesting to note that as you look across the temple, uh, Golgotha, would have been right over in this area. It was kind of amazing to see how close those two things were. So this temple, though, this was the Holy of Holies. This is where, well, inside there was the Holy of Holies. This is where God promised to be. And like I said, this has been here 500 years before Herod started to refurbish it and bring it up. So let's look at the next one real quick. So stones. That's a big stone. It starts over here and you don't see the end of it. Let's look at the next one. This is about the beginning of this stone. That's the end of the stone. Let me put that into perspective for you. From that wall to just past this pillar, about 40 feet. And that one was about 45. So a little over three-fourths of this room long, about eight feet tall, and about 12 feet deep. No tractors, no machinery. You got people. And they're engineering and ingenuity. And there's several of these stones. See, these were at the base. This is underground. And the way you can start to see that, because see, there's more down here as well. These are all the Herodian ones that start to have this etching in them. And there's stones this big that have that etching in them. And each one, of see, the next stone stops right there. So this etching right here is part of this one. All of these stones are set about one inch back on each other, perfectly, even, all the way back. And that's the base of the temple wall as that whole temple mount had been built up. And then there's the big, beautiful stones for the temple itself, and the buildings and the walls and all of that. So these stones are huge. Go ahead and go to the next one. You can see that there starts to be some changes. Because see, they they walked out of the temple and they walked across the valley and they walked over to the Mount of Olives. And there's a short valley in between those two. And from the Mount of Olives, you're looking just down on the Temple Mountain. They can see the temple. They can look across the Hidron Valley. They're looking at this big, beautiful construction project going on. And Jesus says, those stones? There isn't one that's going to be left on top of another. And the disciples are a little thrown back. They said, first off, Jesus, do you know how those things got there? <laughs> those are big stones. What do you mean those are going to fall over? There's no way those things could fall over on each other. He says, not a single one will be left on top of the other as this whole temple is torn down. I say, what, what do you mean? What's that going to be like? What are the signs going to be? What's, what's the world going to look like for something that tragic to happen? for the centerpiece of our faith to be knocked down, for the place where God meets his house to be knocked down, for our lives to be turned upside down, everything in whatever order we think it's supposed to be completely flipped upside down. What's that going to look like, Jesus? And it gets dark. He starts telling them about how brother is going to rise up against brother. He starts telling them about how children are going to turn on their parents. He starts telling them about how fathers and mothers and sons and daughters and everything is going to fall apart. They're going to be beaten. They're going to be flogged. They're going to be persecuted. And he says, it's going to all be because of me. You sure you're following the right guy? I'm sure some of them questioned that for a minute. But he said, it's going to work out though. Because see, I'm sending you there. You're going to be called into that place. You're going to be called into this place of deep darkness. You're going to be called into this place where death is going on. You're going to be called into this place where the entire world is upside down so you can speak my name before kings and before governors and so that the whole world would know He says, when you get in those places, don't be afraid, because I'm going to give you the words. You see, the Holy Spirit will be there, and when you're not sure quite what to say, I'm going to give you the words to say in that very moment. And it's not going to be something that everybody is going to be called to, but everybody in their place specifically and differently and uniquely is going to be called to speak his word in a particular way. That temple building project ended about 60 A.D., It started about 40 years before Christ and it ended maybe 20 years before Christ and it ended about 30 years after Christ. In 1964, excuse me, that was a different revolt. 64, in 64, the Jewish nation started to revolt against the Romans. See, there was a change in power in Rome. And so they started to raise up, and they didn't last too long. See, the Romans came in under Titus, and Titus came in, and he said, we're going to make a point of this. And as they squashed the rebellion between 64 and 70, the entire temple structure was obliterated. Much of the temple walls were torn down and flattened. This is looking over at the temple mount, and actually that picture before, as you noted, it had a couple of different layers of stones and things had been rebuilt. You see, because you've got some of the Herodian stones here and then you've got some other blank ones up here and then you've got those up there and then you've got this flat surface here. And so every culture that came through, whether it was the Muslims or whether it was the Crusaders or whoever it was, started to rebuild things to try and make a fort out of it again. But now there's something different there. It's not Jewish and it's not Christian. It's beautiful. That shrine, that dome of the rock, the Muslim shrine that's there, it's a gorgeous building. Absolutely beautiful. You see, it's not God's house anymore right there. It's not the one place to look to to say God is present right there in that place because there were more that needed to hear. See, and Jesus said, all of you that are sent out into these dark places, all that you are sent out out into these places where it seems like the whole world is falling apart, have courage, because the one that endures to the end will be saved. The one that endures to the end will find comfort. The one that endures to the end will be with Jesus. And a lot of times we take these words and we look at it and we say, okay, well, when that time comes, when that end comes, in that day, when that stuff starts happening, well, it did happen. The temple did fall. The walls were knocked down. And will it happen again in a different age? Well, yeah, in the end of times. But see, Jesus endured in the end for us as well. As you looked across where the temple was, where Golgotha was, where that cross stood, Jesus endured to the end for you. He endured in the end to defeat death for you. He endured into the end to bring you comfort so that your confidence can be in him and not in one specific location. See, he endured to the end so that your name would be written in that book of life. So that, as you're baptized in His name, you are tied together with him to the end. And in these times, as we're called into different places, whether it's within the home or whether it's within the business or whether it's within the school or whether it's in the markets or the streets or wherever it is that God specifically calls you to be, not one that you're looking forward to or a different place that maybe your calling might be, but where you walk every moment of every day where you our living is where God has you. and He gives you the words to speak. And he gives you the comfort by his Holy Spirit to know that you're his child. One who has gained that inheritance that Christ has earned and he hands it over to us as that free gift and he says, here, here is everything that I have and I give it to you since I've endured in the end for you. Now you can walk through these troubled times knowing that the weight isn't on your shoulders. That Christ carried that weight on the cross for us. The burden of guilt, the burden of death, the burden of all of that, he carried that for us so that when that end comes, we rest securely in his arms and by his grace. And we can speak his word with courage because in those times when we don't know the words to say, he says, don't worry the Holy Spirit's going to be there to give you words to say. So we trust in that. We find comfort in that. And when we look at these texts that talk about the end of times that are coming, a lot of times they can look scary and overwhelming. And today being the second to the last day of the church year, next Sunday being the last day of the church year, as we look at these texts that prophesy the end of things, that talk about Christ coming again, We look at that coming again with joy. We look at that coming again with peace because we know that Christ was the one that endured to the end for us, continues to endure for us and continues to live for us and continues to bring us grace and peace before God by his work. And then he gives us the word to say, go, wherever you go, point to me. Speak my word as I give it to you. And point others to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please rise as we take our, this opportunity to confess our faith in the one true God.